How you guys doing? Very good, thank God. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you all for uh, uh, having me. Um, I want to start by saying, you guys know we're covering Kings, First and Second Kings. I want to start by saying this is unfair <laughs> because the number of chapters are there. <laughs> it's like 22 chapters for First Kings and 26 or something chapters or 27. I don't remember. 20, 26, I believe. It sounds like as in long, Second Kings. It, it sounds as long as Genesis. <laughs> and when I compare this to like the last week's talk that Abuna gave, it was Ruth four chapters. <laughs> uh, so, so hopefully, uh, like Abuna uh, Butros uh, had explained, I think it's just maybe it's just to get a, a rough idea about First and Second Kings, uh, in the hopes that you know after that we're able to go and read it, and when we read it, we want to know more. Um, does any Abuna? I was just telling them. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yes, 46 chapters. I'm I'm just telling them it was not. This is not fair. <laughs> Abuna got Ruth four chapters last week, and I got like 40 some chapters. <laughs> so we want to look together. Thank you, Abuna. We want to look together at First and Second Kings, uh, and you'd be happy to know that First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, were all really one book. Uh, and that's what you see in the Orthodox uh, study Bible or the Orthodox Bible. You see first kingdom, second kingdom, third kingdom, fourth kingdom. So from the name, uh, we're talking about kings or kingdoms? What do you think? Kings. Kings. Okay. What else? It's just kings or, or kings and kingdoms. I think it's both. The Hebrew, actually, it's kingdoms. So it talks about the kingdoms, not the kingdoms as in like the geography kind of kingdom, but it's more like, um, like the the realm of 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 a kingdom, the power that a king has, um, and really a common theme that you're gonna come across when you're reading First and Second Kings, is that you you could have it all, but you could also lose it all. You could have it all, but you could also lose it all. Like, well, God willing, we'll go together through maybe just a quick uh, intro and then maybe look at maybe three or four passages uh, together. Is Solomon uh, in, in the book of Kings? Solomon is in the book of Kings, yes. So basically, you have first Kings and second Kings. First Kings, that's a good, good point. So first Kings really talks about the, the end of the reign of King David and the beginning of, or the reign of King Solomon, and then afterwards the split of the kingdom. So up until King Solomon, there was one kingdom. It was just one monarchy. It's one uh, kingdom that is united. But then, you know, at the end of that, uh, there is a split. His son becomes a little bit foolish. Uh, and, you know, he causes the kingdom to split. Does anybody know how the kingdom splits? 
Is it because uh, Solomon doesn't he? At one point he listens to God, but at, at a certain point he leaves God, and so that's probably one of the reasons why the kingdom split. Mm-hmm. As a consequence, yes, eventually. But what happened? What did, does his son do? Anybody remembers what his son did after he gets, he gets after his for, dad? He gets a lot of foreign people's beliefs. Mm, before that, you're on the right track. Okay. So basically, you know, his son takes the kingdom and, you know, uh, he puts more burdens on the people. People come to him and say, can you, you know, deal with us a little bit more kindly? And he puts more burdens on the people. So this causes the people to split. So the split uh, was 10 tribes that went to the north and two tribes remained in the south. Right. And you guys know, so there's the northern uh, uh, kingdom, and now there's a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is ten tribes, and later on, the capital of it is Samaria. And then we have the southern kingdom, which is Judea, Judea, Judah, Judah right? And um, which one was more, you could say, corrupt? Samaria. 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 How many kings? So over over uh, first and second kings. Uh, I'm going to give you some numbers so you can remember it. So as you're reading it, it's 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 cozy, okay? Because there's a lot of a lot of uh, uh, a lot of stories. So there are about 20 kings in the north overall, and there are 20 kings in the south. All 20 in the north were corrupt. They were no good. Wow. Maybe seven, I believe, or eight of the south were okay. Okay, and the gold standard becomes, sorry? There's uh, Manasseh had, had repented, right? We have a book as part of the seven that repented. That's later on, that's later on. But, but I'm saying in general, there's about eight kings that are, okay, this is in the south, but all of the kings in the north, bad, right? And this kind of translates uh, into, you know, which one goes into captivity first. So eventually, so it starts with a, a united kingdom, then a divided kingdom, and then there is captivity. They're taken into captivity. The north were taken into captivity by the Assyrians, and then later on, uh, the south was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. All the Babylonians. Right. So there is a time difference between when this happens, about 140 years. So obviously, because they were so corrupt in the north, they got taken out by the Assyrians. And because the south was a little bit God-fearing, to some extent, they lasted a little bit longer. But then eventually, they were given into captivity. So first and second kings kind of paints this picture of, you know, we have a monarchy, God gets divided, and after it gets divided, you know, can they continue down, you know, the bad road, then they get, they, they get taken into captivity. Now, if you notice something, is that before, before the, we, we start to read about First and Second Kings, usually we hear maybe about the Book of Judges, and it's always a description of what the people have done, right? If you remember... If you open, for example, Judges 21, 25, it would say, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. As soon as they had a king, 
the the way uh, or the the the, the way the, the the historical books would talk about about what the king actually did. So it's more like you know uh, everybody followed the decree of the king, and it's either the king was good or was bad, but it never really mentioned anything about the people. People had to just follow what the king said, follow what the king you know decreed for them to do, <coughs> and based on this, you know they would either be good. Or bad, but it's all—it's all about the conduct and the nature or, or the character of the of the king, and the gold standard actually was David. That's so, what I was going to ask. Yeah. Because King David had all the tribes united. Yes, yes. So he was, and he was a man after God's heart, right? And for example, I'll give you an example from Second Kings fourteen. It says about a king. His name is Amaziah. It says he was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem twenty-nine years. His mother's name was Jehodan. She was from Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father David had done. He did everything as his father Joash had done. So again, the gold standard or the measuring stick was David. And the same thing in terms of the evil kings, when you read through uh, the Northern Kingdom, the history of the Northern Kingdom, they would describe them uh, those kings as they've done as Jeroboam had done. This is the original king that had split from uh, the, the, the whole kingdom and you know, you know uh, started the northern kingdom. Do you know what he did when he started the kingdom? He did something interesting. you know what he did? No, no idea. Hmm. What do you think he did? What, what would you do if you were a, a, a king that just split, right? You gathered 10 of the tribes, you've gone all the way north, right? What would you do? Where is the center of worship right now? Where is, like, what was the achievement that King Solomon did was the temple. He built the temple, right? And this was where? Yeah. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Oh, so if Jerusalem. you split away from Jerusalem, what would you want to do? The Do a mini temple or uh, uh, create something to keep the people that you split with, with you. You don't want them to go, you know, to have that sense of unity. Let me go back to where I was and leave you. So this is what he did. He built idols so that the people would continue to worship those idols up north and to prevent them from going back to the south. So this is what happened really. Uh, with the kingdom of Israel. The interesting thing, like I told you earlier, do you think the people in the south kind of learned their lesson? No, because we know that 100, approximately 140 years after the, uh, the north was taken into captivity by the Assyrians, they were taken also by the Babylonians. You know, you'd think that if, you, if 10 of your brothers, if you, had, if you were 12 brothers, 10 of you had been taken away into captivity, you kind of learn a lesson, but they really didn't. So this is really the story of First and Second Kings. It's a story of beginnings and endings uh, of different characters, really. You're going to see the story of uh, many, many, many kings, but also it's a story of how really God dealt with um, his people. In the meantime, God was always sending them warnings 
Warnings, warnings. This is the way God deals with us. I think he also sent lots of prophets. That's he? the warnings, exactly. Lots of prophets. You're going to hear about two, two of the biggest prophets, for example, Elijah and Elisha. Right? Uh, so, and we were just reading from Exodus. So if you want to open to Exodus 9, we were just reading this yesterday. It says, Exodus 9, um, uh, verse 1. If you guys have your Bibles, you can open. Then, then the Lord said to Moses, this is uh, when the Lord asked Moses to uh, go to Pharaoh and ask him to let his people go. Right? He says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep. So, again, and again, over and over with the plagues, God would send Moses to Pharaoh and he would give a warning. And there's another thing here is that then the Lord, then the Lord said to Moses, and this is something really such a short verse then the Lord said to Moses but often we kind of overlook it the idea is am I really able to hear the voice of God or not and this has been happening over and over and over and over for the ten plagues with Moses and the Lord said to Moses and the Lord we, we take it lightly but this kind of maps how the people of Israel have changed over time here we have then the Lord said to Moses Moses goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the one who is kind of not heeding and being stubborn and hardening his heart. But it's, it's become so bad now in the times of the kings that now they're the ones who are hardening their hearts. The kings of, uh, uh, of the north and the south are the ones who are hardening, hardening their heart. Another reason... Why do you think, who, who wrote this? Who wrote this, First and Second Kings? Anybody knows? Maybe Solomon hmm? wrote some of it? Not Solomon, no. Was it Elijah? No. Was it... Let's keep guessing. Let's keep guessing. <laughs> who was it? They say it's Jeremiah. Jeremiah who, who has written, who has written uh, uh, First and Second Kings. And... A question, Jeremiah, Jeremiah the, prophet? the prophet. A question that we really gotta maybe ask ourselves is, why was it written? Why do you think this was written? This history. Of course, a history. It's written as a history, but it has a reason behind it. We don't just take it as a historical <clears throat> book where we're just reading, you know, uh, historical events that had happened. Obviously, uh, when when those historical events had been <clears throat> written. They were kind of picked for a reason. Uh, the extent of some stories was given for a reason. Why do you think? Why do you think this was written? To remind the people what God did uh, to Israel? Yes, to remind the people and also to answer a question that the people most likely are asking. Why is God leaving us? Why are we left alone? And this is the question that we ask too. Why are we left alone? Why is he leaving us? Why are we, take, why are we being taken captive? This is possibly a question. Why has God forgotten us? <clears throat> and really the author is saying it is really your fault. 
it's your fault because God hasn't broken his promises. You've broken the promises. You've broken the promise that you've given, you've given to God. So let's go through, again, when we go through First and Second Kings, we really got to look at three major things. Uh, a, a king, a prophet, and the end result. The end result, we talked about it. So maybe a king, maybe if you could open First Kings chapter 1 together. <clears throat> Just let's read a small part. Who wants to who wants to read first uh, first king chapter one verse one now King David was old advanced in years and they put covers on him but he could not get warm therefore his servants said to him let a young woman ever be sought for our Lord the king and let her stand before the king and let her care for him and let her lie in your bosom that our Lord, the King, may be warm. So, so they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel and found Abishag the Shunammite mm -hmm. and brought her to the king. The young woman was lovely and she cared for the king and served him, but the king did not know her. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, the king, and he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. So what's happening? What's happening to this king? So we're beginning first kings. Again, it's the monarchy. It's continue. It is the monarchy. And we're going to move into another monarchy, the one of Solomon. Still, the, king, the kingdom is united. But what's really happening? What do you notice here in the first couple of verses? It says that he was cold. He was cold. Okay, what else? Was cold or was old? Huh? Both. Both. He was <laughs> old and cold. Okay. <laughs> nice. And the went to take care of him. Yes, and he needed somebody to take care of him. Okay. What else? The what? son who kind of just exalted himself. He's like it's. It's not like something that he's just been. Like came down from God. He's just sort of like. I'm going to be king. <laughs> yeah, this is my chance now. I'll be king. And so he jumps at the opportunity and he does it almost in a style of a coup, if you might say. Yeah. So what do you notice is happening here? Like if we, if, if, if we were to take something from this, maybe, because this is going to keep repeating over and over and over. What's happening here? Everything comes to an end. Everything comes to an end. Everything comes to an end. And no matter how much power you think you have or a grip you have over something, you know, you lose that grip eventually. You lose this grip eventually. Okay, so this is one maybe uh, way we look at, at King David. Now he's coming to the end of his life. Now if you go to chapter 3, if you open chapter 3, <clears throat> Let me read from verse 1. Who wants to read? King. Go ahead. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. And he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house, and the house of the Lord, and the wall all around Jerusalem. 
Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Okay, so what's happening with Solomon right now? He's, what do you notice? He's, he's kind of pulling God, but he has some things that he's not supposed to do. Such as? As it said that giving to the altar or something, doing something that's not like, it said something about giving burnt offerings to the high places. Mm -hmm. So, what else? Do you notice anything else? Something small kid is starting? Oh, he, had, he, he went to get someone that's not part of his tribe. So he married who? He made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Right? Now, if you go to chapter 11, just jump quickly to chapter 11. It says what? But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they will you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. So what's happened? He's starting to leave God. Right? So we, we've we kind of started first kings by the end of, of, uh, of David. And now we have the beginnings of Solomon and the ends the endings of Solomon, really. Yeah. He, 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 he asked God for what at the beginning? For wisdom. And God has given him wisdom, right? But um, it seems like he had, maybe, maybe, he had wisdom for everybody else, but maybe not much wisdom for himself, right? Um, and we often do the same. We often do the same. He did build the temple of the Lord. He did so many good things. But then again, the ending is a little bit, you know, even the, the church fathers, you know, some church fathers would talk about how uh, he repented and some are saying maybe he didn't. So we don't know. Um, but he ends up writing, of course, Ecclesiastes and, and he says that everything is, 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 is in vain, right? Um, doesn't he also write Proverbs as well? Yeah. Yes. So, so why is it Proverbs different than Ecclesiastic? I think, I think they say, I'm not sure, but if Abuna correct me, they say that Proverbs probably was written in, in his Middle Ages, and, and Ecclesiastes was more when he was older. So you can even see a contrast between what he, the, the substance of what he writes about towards the end. It's more... I'm, I'm of old age now. I've just realized what I've done. So, you know, some of the fathers talk about that he, he did actually repent. So, from, uh, so, so we have, we talked about King David, talked about King Solomon. Now, all along, all, all, all throughout this journey, God will be sending uh, uh, prophets to support his children to support the kings. Okay, I want to read with you if you can open Second um, uh, Kings. If 
we move to Second Kings, chapter six. Eight. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. So this is way, you know, into the future, a little bit into the future. And you'll notice that uh, first and second kings, one will focus a little bit more on the kings of the north and one will focus a little bit more on the kings of the south. But at this point, we're talking about the north because this is Elijah and Elisha. This is Elisha. This is the time of Elisha. It says, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. So there's maybe an ambush or a war or an ambush by the king of Syria to those of the Israelites of the northern kingdom. And so Elisha is sending out to the king and he's telling him, be careful, there's an ambush there, okay? So then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing and he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? So he's asking him, so the king of Syria is kind of calling one of his servants and he's saying, I think we might have a spy amongst us. Because obviously it seems that every time we try to ambush the, the, the Israelites, they find out. He doesn't know that Elisha is the one who's warning him. That God is, is helping them. And one of his servants said, none, none my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Okay. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early, so the servant of Elisha, now he woke up early and went out. There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw and there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? So what's happening so far? Anybody recognize what's happening? I do. Tell me. Elisha prayed to God mm -hmm. for them to be blind. Mm -hmm. And he led them to a different area. Mm -hmm. 
And then he asked them to open. Where did he lead them? To Samaria. To Samaria. And when they opened their eyes. King asks, shall I kill them? He says, shall I kill them, right? And then, but he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you had, you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the hands to so the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. So he wanted to kill them. He told them, don't kill them, feed them. And they were grateful and they, they, they did not come no more. Do you notice anything strange here? Yes. First of all, this is in Samaria. We agreed at the beginning that all the kings were bad, right? All the kings were no good. So what happened here then? He did some type of kindness for the people instead uh -huh. of killing them. So was, was yes, the, but, but what, what, was God still helping the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, even though they were bad? He yes. was still helping them. He was having mercy on them. Even though that king was bad, God, in his long-suffering and patience, he was still helping them. Why? Show that he's merciful. Okay. What he else? Loves them. Huh? Love. He loves them? Yes. Okay. Because you see, these, the, we, 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 we sometimes just overlook these little things here. We're, we're, we're too focused on wars and, and we, we form this idea about the Old Testament. But here, God is really very merciful, very loving, very caring. Even though they are worshipping other gods, even though they're worshipping idols. But there's a faithful man, his name is Elisha. And he's using him to guide his people back. To guide this, even this king back. Right? But we know that the king... The king you know, all the kings there were, were, were no good. So, what else? What else can we get out of this? Like, what did Elisha do and what happened? Like, let's. A feast for them. Before, before. A miracle. How did that happen? Pray to God. By the cliche, the cliche kind of answer of praying, right? So, in a way, when we pray, our eyes are open. And even that, that prayer has, is so powerful that it, that, it, that it blinds the eyes of the enemy. In the same instant that, that our eyes are open, the same instant that God is protecting us and it blinds the eyes of the enemy. So, what else? So, can anybody kind of summarize what we talked about so far? Because I, I promise you, I won't keep you any longer. Anybody? So for those who, who had just joined us, <clears throat> I, can, I can give you some cues. How's that? Okay. How many years did David reign? How many years did David reign? Yes. 40. 40? Oh. Yes. How many years did Solomon reign? Maybe 15? 40. 40? Before David, who reigned? So, How many years? Forty. Forty. I see that's so good. No, I didn't know. So, <laughs> so it's so easy, right? Because you're smart. <laughs> okay. What's what happened? What's the significance of forty? Yeah. What is the significance of forty? What is forty? Uh, what is forty in the Bible kind of point to? 
Mm. Take a guess, maybe. If Buna. You compare it to Jeff, <laughs> Sorry. Compare it to the life of Jesus before he started service. Uh huh. Okay. So maybe like a, a, a trial, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Forty days or forty days or whatever. Some the kings were 40 years. That, this is, that, that, no, but we're talking just about the number 40. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. 40 days, 40 nights. Yes. So 40, 40, 40, 40. This is a way to remember this, right? And after those 120 years, there was a split in the kingdom, right? <coughs> north and south. How many tribes in the north? Ten. How many tribes in the south? Two. Who is the capital of the north? Uh, Samaria. Who is the capital of the south? Judea. So very easy, okay? And then what happened after? They intermarried. Okay. They were taken into? Captivity. 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 Who was yeah. taken first into captivity? Samaria. Samaria. And then who was taken after? Judea. Judea. How many years apart? 100. 140. 40. Approximately 140, right? Yeah. And then what happened? Actually, before we say what happened, <clears throat> do you know how bad the captivity was? Like, how did they, how did they uh, do cap the captivity? Like, how did that... They, they, like it, they took did them it just, like, like far away and... That's it? So how, how can I, like how did it, how this captivity went? Like we say captivity, captivity, but was it an easy ordeal or was it something difficult? It was very difficult. Why? I, I think because uh, they were, I guess, were kind of separate in, in I'm trying to think what captivity would be. But mm. like, so I'm thinking that they're... So you hold somebody captive, you take them into... Slavery. Slavery, maybe. Or you take them into a foreign land, right? And then, now you're occupying this land that you're in. You want them to... You want to prevent them from revolting against you. So what do you do? You bring your own people from your own land into <coughs> this land, this new land. So this is what they did. They take people out of... Israel take them into a foreign land and bring their own people and put them instead of them. So that way they would guarantee that nobody would revolt them. And they would make them lose their identity. Does this kind of ring a bell? Us living into the world that we sometimes lose our identity. Right? And this is this is really what the what we always say we are sojourners in this world, right? We're always talking about we're strangers in this world. So we have to so what happened after that? So did they ever come back together? Was it, was, it, uh, was it restored like before? Was it the same as before? No. Never fully returned as before. And it was a succession, like one, one <clears throat> captivity or one occupation after the other. Anybody knows what came after the, the Babylonians? Who came after the Babylonians? Persians, after the Persians. Greeks. Greeks, after the Greeks. Romans. Romans. That's it. Right? I guess Arabs will be the Turkish Empire after yeah, that. That's... <laughs> but you see here, it's uh, it, it, throughout this journey, uh, did God leave them though? No. And this is, um, this is what we really need to... Uh, kind of pay attention to is that God God does not abandon them. Why does God does not abandon them? It's because God never uh, breaks his promise. 
God would never break His promise. Even though they've broken the promise, even though they've, uh, you know, turned, turned away from God, God would never turn away from them. Um, and I hope this uh, gives you the uh, the appetite. <laughs> the appetite to read all 47 chapters of <laughs> first and second kings. I, I thought you were going to do... Maybe, read, maybe if you read four or five chapters a day, uh, you could... Uh, I, would, I would read it that way because uh, then you could identify a pattern. If you read it maybe one, one, one chapter every day, maybe you won't catch on, but if you read it four or five chapters a day, uh, you'd uh, start to see patterns in the text. Thank you, Abu. <coughs> Any questions for Abu now?